Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. Broadcasting from the heart of the I Work For Him nation in our nation's capital, and finally, after all these years, on location at the Museum of the Bible, you've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks for tuning into I Work For Him. Martha, an exciting show today. Finally, we finally got here. We did, and you know, I, I was saying before the show, we didn't get a chance to go through the exhibits yet, but we are so That's excited tomorrow. to be in the building and be able to highlight it and tell people about it so that they can also plan to make a trip here to our nation's capital. you got to check it out. you got to check out the Museum of the Bible. Make sure you look it up online at the museumofthebible.org, museumofthebible.org. Make sure you check out our Facebook page, too. Martha and I have been doing lots of videos on our Facebook page. Just go to I Work, the number four, him. I work for him on Facebook. You know, in our country, there are couples that are famous. There are celebrity couples. There are infamous couples. And then you have kingdom couples, couples that you want to emulate and you want to meet. As you tune into I Work for Him today, we have the chance to talk to one of those kingdom couples about their lives, their marriage, and their kingdom calling. You may have been in one of their stores. Uh, yeah, you might. This name might ring a bell. Hobby lobby you probably heard about their battle with the government over the as i like to say it the unaffordable care act you're now hearing about the culmination of their latest project the museum of the bible literally if you go on facebook you'll see over my shoulder this the capital of the united mm-hmm. states of america how incredible is this but who are these people who is steve and jackie green today you're going to find out. Stay tuned for a very special edition of I Work For Him live from Washington, D.C. D.C. Can't even say it. Stephen Jackie Green, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank, Thank you, Jim. You. We're honored to be here. Thank uh, you for- it's exciting. I, I'm just, I can't tell you how grateful I am that you guys are here. It, it is, it's, incre- it's been an incredible journey for you guys to be in this building. And I know you've only been live and in action since November the 17th. But as I heard from several people, you guys have had 600-plus events in that short period of time. It has been a very uh, crazy three years or so. We started October of 2014, where we started sharing the story with with, uh, the broader public and uh, have been all over the country sharing our story, having... Uh, events, uh, you know, large with hundreds of people to thousands to small gatherings uh, and everything in between. It has just been a whirlwind for the last three years. Let's just step back a little bit and hear from you guys about your personal lives. Okay, Steve, you grew up in the shadow of David Green. (laughs) Not an easy job, I'm sure. The founder of Hobby Lobby, your dad. At what point in your life did you take your mom and dad's faith, their example, and become a follower of Jesus? You know, I grew up in a Christian home, and we went to church regularly. Uh, I can't pinpoint a time when I accepted Christ, but did as a, as a child. And uh, when I got old enough to go to church camps, we'd go to church camps regularly and then would uh, work in church camps. It was very formative in my upbringing. Um, and then, you know, as we got married, we went to Christian conferences, and it just it just was always a part of our lives. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, it was, when I graduated from high school, I went to work in the business. I knew what I wanted to do, so I never went to college. So uh, that's where a lot of people uh, have some negative influences that are pulling them away. <laughs> come on, not our colleges in the United States uh, yeah. of America. Uh, Jackie, so what about you? How did you come to be a Jesus follower? Actually, I grew up going to church with my family, and uh, from a very young age, I felt 
Like I, I just knew that I wanted to live my life for Christ. I, as a young child, I share about it a little bit in the book that I, um, I just felt this, you know, this uh, pull, this draw, you know, to spiritual things. I, I really loved hearing the Bible stories as a young, young child and realizing. I remember realizing that they weren't just stories; they were real. Mm. And so it was at that point that I said, you know, I want to live for Christ. And so I was very young. And it's just been, um, I've been blessed to, to be in a family that actually took me to church and helped me to learn about the Bible. And then I embraced it for myself. Well, Amen. and, you know, we don't know all your kids, but we knew we have spent, I don't know, we spent a couple of hours talking with Lauren and her husband, Michael, and she is a phenomenal young lady. So oh, and she did a great job speaking to our Christian Chamber of Commerce there in Tampa Bay when, when you guys were first rolling this out a couple yeah, of years ago. Yeah, I think ago. it was one of her first speaking engagements. So, And she did such a fabulous job. And I know right. that um, it's just been exciting for your whole family to talk about. And I love the fact that you said that that the Bible was introduced to you. And then, you know, that is an integral part of where you are today. And I'm excited to talk about that some now, more. Jackie just referenced their brand new mm-hmm. book that just came out recently, This Dangerous Book, How the Bible has shaped our world and why it still matters today and it's really the story of where did the museum of the bible thing really all come from and we've got a couple copies to give away today on the air so during the show today you'll have to call into the i work room listener line 866-713-9675-866-713 work and that'll leave a message and then we'll get back to you guys when we get back That's in Tampa right. Bay next week. This dangerous book by Steve and Jackie Green. And and really this story in there is fantastic. But Jackie, when you married Steve, where'd you guys meet? Where'd you guys meet? Church camp. Church camp. So you met That's, at church oh, camp. Good yep. thing yeah. for church camp. Yeah, yeah. I love I never that. Know what's gonna happen there. <laughs> <laughs> Church camps. You know, the, Martha and I spent a summer working we did. at church we camp. We served at church camp together. Right after we started dating, and it was fantastic. So, But when you married Steve, now I know Hobby Lobby was it was existing. It was already growing. You knew David Green was the, 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 the owner and leader of Hobby Lobby. But did you ever imagine that by marrying Steve, your lives would be lived out under not just a spotlight, but a strobe light? I mean, <laughs> I mean everybody's watching you guys. Never in my wildest <laughs> dreams. In fact, um, I worked at Hobby Lobby as a teenager, you know, before, before we, we dated. dated. And, uh, oh, so you were scoping out the house. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I think there's something. I don't know about that. So I grew up in the northeastern part of the state, and Steve, of course, was in the central part. But, uh, yeah, we before we even dated, I uh, was working there as a teenager. But it goes back further. My my mother went to church camp with Steve's dad. And oh, uh, my, funny. his sisters were friends with my mom and my aunts. And Anyway. So, but uh, no, never dreamed that it would be other than just, um, you know, what what it was when we got married. Mm-hmm. We were young. We were 18 and 20, and there were eight Hobby Lobby stores. So it's very different now than it was then. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit you different. Know. But 18 and 20, Martha and I were 19 and 20 when we got married. The good news is when you know, you know, you're going to do it. And my, Martha's mom just made the comment, well, they'll just grow up together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yep, did you ever do. did you ever imagine your marriage, Steve, would be an example to so many? Because people look at you guys, you're like, okay, well, not only have they done this Museum of the Bible thing, but for decades they've been doing the Hobby Lobby thing, and and, and you guys have grown up in the in the limelight. But people are watching you guys. They watch your kids. They they watch you. Mm-hmm. They, what's their marriage like? Because it's a big deal. Yeah. No. Uh, again, with with us being uh, newly married, she was a senior in high school when I proposed, and uh, we got married uh, August after she graduated. 
graduated in May, and uh, we we had eight stores, as she said, and we started a family a couple years after that. And uh, our focus was our children, and you know, building a you know small company. Uh, so uh, to to see where we are today, to to think back where we <laughs> were, you just thinking, you know, we're just a couple retailers from Oklahoma. That's that's you know, simple people and. Uh, there were times even after we got married, we didn't know the company would survive. Uh, in 1985 was a, a time when uh, Hobby Lobby actually lost money. Oil patch had uh, struggled and mm-hmm. uh, oil boom had busted in 86. We didn't know that we would survive and we're just struggling to make this uh, startup business go. My father obviously was uh, and, and still is very active today. Uh, but, you know, you no, know, you never think or have any idea of, of where God may take you, and uh, it's been an exciting journey. That is a very exciting. What do you guys do as a couple to keep your marriage centered on Christ? What are some specific things you guys do to keep your marriage grounded? Well, I think for me, you know, communication is very important for us. Um, and for, for we have six kids, so we have a large family, mm-hmm. and and you know my my primary job has been trying to raise our family for for many years. But I felt like uh, in the last seven and a half years since this Museum of the Bible thing has launched, it's you know it's turned a little bit to where I felt that call along with Steve that we have a job to do here, and so um, you know we're trying to still. Focus on our marriage and our family and keep it Christ-centered, but we each have our own responsibility to, to keep it Christ-centered, and we each try to give 100%. You know, it's not Steve giving 50 and me giving 50. Mm. We're both trying to give 100% to our marriage and our home life and, and to our family, our children, too, because we, we felt like very early on that our first ministry was our children. Mm. And um, so we're responsible to work on our marriage, but also to be ministers to our children. God gave them to us, not somebody else. That's so right. we take that responsibility um, seriously. On location at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. You guys have heard us talk about this museum for so long. We want you to plan your next family vacation to Washington, D.C. to experience the Museum of the Bible and experience Washington, D.C. Your family needs to know about the spiritual heritage of this of our nation's capital. As much as you'll hear the news say that this country wasn't founded on Jesus, I I will tell you, it's all over this city, isn't it, Martha? It is. You know, it was it was making me walk back in time to when I was just a little person and we had our bicentennial. My, that was when the year my family did the trip to the. You all had you know, matching clothes. We did. You're we had matching red, white, and blue shirts. <laughs> walking down the you know um, the mall and everything, and it's just crazy. But um, you know, my family back then saw the need to come and celebrate. You know, this country that we live in, and what a great addition. This is uh, um, the experience for people to come and really see what is all of this that's been collected in Washington, D.C. that they can experience. And we're sharing radio time today with Steve and Jackie Green. The there's the Steve is the son of David Green, the founder of Hobby Lobby. And these guys, Steve and Jackie, got lot, God laid on their hearts years ago, a decade ago, to start collecting, well, we're going to hear some of those stories, start collecting mm-hmm. biblical artifacts. But before we get to all about the Museum of the Bible, I think it's important people hear your hearts. So I asked the question right before the break, how does prayer, what a prayer, how does prayer fit into keeping your marriage strong? How does prayer fit into your guys' lives on a daily basis? Steve, you go first. Okay. You're well, the spiritual leaders. So. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would say that I have a stronger, uh, a stronger suit of mine would be in being in God's Word and reading God's Word. Uh, prayer is not as strong for me. I could, I could improve there. But what I do find is that as, 
struggles come, that is when I find I'm going to God in prayer. And that mm-hmm. may be what God's intent is, is to say, hey, I'm wanting a little bit more time with you. And so let me send you a little struggle and uh, get your attention. And um, uh, and so during those times, there there's just been, uh, you, you, you hear, you sense, you know that God has given you signs that he's there with you uh, in the midst of the struggles and the challenges. And uh, in that time of prayer has been very uh, uh, precious. Uh, knowing that uh, we have somewhere to go to and uh, mm-hmm. it uh, something that I would desire to even rely more on uh, in in my faith walk but uh, uh, it, it is uh, obviously what God wants from all of us sure and, and it is a struggle to make it well you know I'm just thinking about the fact that even in our own marriages you know when we're talking with each other we never say man I wish we talked less right you know so I think it's that same concept of you know we we always should be in a place of desiring more it's never what we and you know if I were to say no Jim we've talked enough I don't need to talk to you anymore today you know she, she, pro- she that, probably has thought that sometimes <laughs> there may have been a few no <laughs> we're pretty transparent but, but keeping your priorities straight you know God first and spouses as your number number two priority, but your number one ministry, uh, your kids as number three priority, your number one ministry or your number one mission field. How, Jackie, have you guys worked to make sure that those priorities have been maintained when you've got all this outside pressure all the time pulling at you guys? Well, it's a challenge. I think Mm -hmm. it's a challenge for every American family today because we have so many things happening around us and opportunities. But for us personally, I think just we we have certain traditions that we've set in place that we do with our families, and we we try to stick to those. For um, example, we have a a once-a-month celebration with our family, birthday celebration. And uh, and I'm talking about not just even with us and our children, but with Steve's parents and uh, what we call Gen 1. That would be Steve's parents. Gen 2 being Steve, his, his siblings and spouses. And Gen 3, our kids. And now we have little Gen 4s running around. So we, we have tried to do some things intentionally, even with the bigger family, which I think um, is really difficult, but it's always worth it. It's one of those things that... Uh, you know, I, I always try to live my life by, you know, live with no regrets. And I think that's one thing that we'll never regret is the time we've spent with our family and our loved ones. Mm-hmm. And whether it's your children, your your um, parents, your spouse. And so we try to carve out that time, but it takes effort. You know, just as a Christian retailer, I'm going to throw this out there. You can tell you're inventory focused. You're like Gen 1, Gen 2. You yeah. got it all organized. Yeah. There's inventory for everybody. So. Well, I, numbers. Yeah. And I think growing up, my, my dad worked in uh, a general merchandise store. He had long hours. But uh, one of the things that he always made sure we did was we went, we took his the vacation time. He had two weeks of vacation. We took that. We got in the car and we would just drive. Mm-hmm. And that was some family time that we had. And, and in our lives is uh, there's different stages of our lives. And our first uh, four kids were young. We had the first four couple years apart, each of them. And uh, we, we homeschooled them for a while. And so we spent a lot of time with the, the kids. And uh, the, the last two were spread out. And uh, we became... Uh, more involved within the business and the Museum of the Bible. And so it's a challenge. It's easier for me and Jackie to spend more time together because we're traveling together, but we still have those kids at home, so we have to kind of work at that. And yes. uh, so each each season of life has different challenges, and mm-hmm. you're just constantly saying, okay, how do I make sure that I'm uh, focusing on what I need to be focusing on, make the main thing the main thing? Mm. And I would say that's one of my top 
things that I pray about, you know, I just feel, um, because I know it's a challenge and it could be so easy for us to get so busy with everything else, but, you know, not keep our priorities straight. So we just, I just always have that reminder and just pray that God helps us. And you asked about prayer earlier. One thing I've learned to do is just before I even get up, Mm-hmm. to start my day with prayer before I even get out of bed. And sometimes I don't have a lot of time, so I've got to make it a fast, you know, and just welcome God into my day, you know, just uh, and ask him to be a part of whatever in my day holds. So, I loved reading in the book the story about the adoption because mm-hmm. it, that was just, it was hilarious. I, I, and I'm not sure I've got all the details in my head straight, but I think your old, wasn't, was Lauren like 17 and she comes back and says, you guys should adopt. Well, let's see, she was actually younger. Uh, Steve, you're going to have to help me with the ages. Okay, so our fifth child was three at the time. Um, and I think our oldest, our son, was 17. Okay, all right. So Lauren would have been about 15 and then like 13, 11, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. on down. But um, anyway, yeah, it was our kids that came to us at, at a birthday dinner. It was my birthday dinner. And they are like, Mom, Dad, we think we need to adopt a baby. And I was like, oh, well, that's a great idea. You know, we love adoption. Yeah, you know, we think we, we should adopt we, You know, we've, we've supported, you know, uh, uh, Ministries, you know, nonprofits that that help with adoption, with orphan care, and and uh, we're very, you know, we 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 value life, and so that's been something that, that's been a focus. But you know, we had five kids, and and we were very busy, and so it's like that's a great thing, but um, you know, maybe God's calling you to adopt when you grow up, and you know, so anyway. But God, as you read in the book, he he worked on my heart. It, it took a little while. Mm-hmm. Were you were you bought in right away, Steve, with that idea? <laughs> well, I can remember at that at that dinner, Japanese Tipinyaki restaurant, where there was one empty seat, and that's kind of what the girls used as a we need to adopt. Uh, we we have an empty chair here, and uh, I can remember thinking at that dinner, I kind of I liked the idea, but I didn't say anything, and it was Smart months man. later mm-hmm. when uh, your process. <laughs> uh, the, the kids kept after mom, and uh, she eventually said, well, what do you think about it? And I told her, I, I could get excited about it. And uh, we eventually, God made it clear that it was uh, what he wanted for us, and it's been a, a, an exciting venture for our family. We have a beautiful young daughter that's now 11 that we picked up when she was 10 months old in china mm-hmm. and uh, uh she's uh, just a ball of energy we, we love a blessing her. to us and, and the we part and everybody's still involved in the 11 year old's life because the we said we should have uh, adopt <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly and that's part of my argument i'm like hey guys you know you're going to grow up and believe it or not you're going to have your own life you know this is something for me forever for the rest of my mm-hmm. life that i'll be parenting this this little person and you know this will be my child forever and so uh but you know what i'm so thankful that god you know first of all made it so clear for us uh when we asked and that he didn't let us miss out on that blessing Mm. because i know we could have we could have but we didn't so is there something you would just say to the listeners that maybe you know they're this is stirring in them what is a message for people that just may be thinking about it or praying about it themselves well i would first of all just say really pray about it mm-hmm. and um you know sometimes it uh, you know you've got two parents and and steve has to be all in he's going to be the dad that he needs to be the father and i'm i've got to be all in you know and you you know with any child whether it's biological or adopted they're not perfect 
Believe it or not, there is not a perfect child out there. We weren't perfect either. And, you know, so you've got to be in for the long haul and know that there are going to be ups and downs. But to to just, you know, pray about it and ask for God's direction because sometimes it's challenging. Mm. And uh, Sometimes? (laughs) Kids are never challenging. But but it's such a blessing, too. And and we have a better idea of of, uh, just... I think for us, for me personally, it was just it was the biggest faith walk I'd ever had in my life, like I share in the, the book, the, until that moment. So I'm thankful that I did it. I remember one of the questions Jackie, Jackie asked me is, can you love somebody that's not your own child? And I said, well, of course I can. My sister was adopted. Mm. And it's just a picture of what Christ did for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Hi, we're on location today in the Museum of the Bible. Finally, we're so excited to be here, finally, as we have talked about this for so many years. We want you guys to plan your next family vacation to come experience the Museum of the Bible and Washington, D.C., because there's so much history here. Last night, Martha, as we went out to dinner, we drove all the way around the Washington Monument. We, we, we had dinner just down the street from the White House. Mm-hmm. The Trumps were busy. He was busy with ben, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, so he didn't get a chance to drop in. But many of our friends got to have a movie preview with uh, Vice President Pence. Yeah, They were previewing. Pure Flix is running out. they got a new film coming out. God's Not Dead 3, and they got the preview last night with the vice president. That was pretty cool. Yeah, so it's pretty exciting. The fact that there are so many leaders in um, Christian ministry right here in our um, country's capital right now um, for an event that we talked the a Impact lot about Summit. yesterday. Yep, and um, But it's exciting to see that we are getting to you know experience some of the history, learn, you know, one of the things you can do at the Museum of the Bible, learn more about the history of the Bible. So many people are, you know, ignorant of, of how it has come about. So I love, I can't wait to hear more about that story and how it came to be. And we're in studio. We're in, the Museum of the Bible has television and radio studios, and we're in those <laughs> studios with Steve and Jackie Green, the founders of the Museum of the Bible and the president of Hobby Lobby. Steve and Jackie, we're so grateful that you guys had time for us today. We appreciate you coming and uh, excited to hear uh, how your tour tomorrow goes. <laughs> and we're, yeah, we can't wait to actually tour the museum. Okay. On, according to online data, Hobby Lobby has 32,000-plus employees. That's a lot. 800-plus stores, over $4.3 billion in revenue with a B. How does your faith flow all the way down to touch the people sweeping the floors of those stores? Well, we obviously want to have a culture of uh, operating our business according to biblical principles. If you were to go to our website, you'd see that the very first statement of our statement of purpose is to operate according to biblical principles. Now, we're, we we have never done that perfectly, but that's what we strive to do. Um, and with 30,000 employees, you're going to have a, a broad range of people, and some may embrace that, some may not. Um, but uh, that's what we strive to do. So, uh, you know, we try to take care of our employees. Uh, we have chaplains available uh, at our corporate office. We, do you have your own chaplains? We do. Okay. We have uh, uh, chaplains uh, that that they can call upon uh, and and meet with. We've we obviously want to take care of our employees. We start uh, with a, a very high uh, minimum wage and internal minimum wage over fifteen dollars an hour for our full time employees. Uh, so we want to take care of our employees. We send information out to them. We have opportunities for them to have uh, resources available to them online uh, that. 
uh, it helps them in whatever they're uh, facing, if it's a family issue or f- issue with their children or drugs or whatever. So uh, we, we just want to uh, take care of our employees, uh, and the more we take care of our employees, we know the more they're going to take care of the customers, uh, which is what their focus is. Mm-hmm. It's got to be fun. And, and, Jackie, Hobby Lobby, uh, obviously it's a, it's a store that you've seen grow. You said when you first started dating, Steve, there was eight stores. Mm-hmm. And now there's, what did I say, 800-plus stores. And one just opened in Clearwater. Florida. So we'll do a plug for that because it just opened up right around January 1st. Yes. I heard from a couple of my friends that the that the line to apply for jobs there was very, very long <laughs> because you guys pay decently and that's not always the case in Florida, certainly Tampa and, Bay. And a great reputation. Oh, and yeah. I will say that just from the other side of the, you know, the operation, the cash just register. knowing people that, um, you know, whether you're a customer or whether you've been employed or you um, are looking for a job, just the great experience all around. And I was thinking back to Jackie when you were talking about, you know, praying before you get out of bed in the morning and even the things that you carry in the store help with that process. So um, the, the whole reason that I shop there. My family shops there. My daughter's whole home. We, oh, yeah, we, they, they we decorated said, the whole thing from Hobby Lobby. Both of our Sarahs, both of our Sarahs said to say, hi, they love this horse. They want to showcase, their homes are Hobby Lobby showcases. They're pretty what they sure say. that they help support oh, the stores, good. you know, and a lot of people feel that way. They're very loyal to it because they know that there's good quality um, product, materials, the, you know, the books that you carry, the stuff you put on the wall. So if people are struggling with, I want to remember to pray in the morning, they can buy something something to put on their wall to help them. And that's a lot of times what people do because they need that. You need to let your Sarahs know that they help put this museum in. Then, All right. They're a good job. <laughs> well, thank you. Our daughter-in-law, Amelia, she's going, what about me? How come I didn't get mentioned? So there you go. We just, just had going, a listener oh. text us who just went to the new store in Clearwater this weekend, and she said that the store was beautiful and the customer service was amazing. Great. And that, so right. So there you go. And that's what you want to know. I yeah. mean, and it, and it is amazing as you guys lay that reputation out there. I mean, Hobby Lobby stands apart. I mean, you guys, you guys took, and we're not going to focus a lot on your health care thing but you I mean you talk about it in your book which by the way we've got some copies of Stephen Jackie's latest book this dangerous book it's really the story of where did the museum of the bible come from and it's a lot of their life story in there as well we're giving away a couple copies today call the listener line the i work room listener line 866-713-9675-866-713 work you know one more thing that you guys do i know that helps the culture with your employees is that you are not open on sundays and what is the reason behind that yeah my my dad many years ago was looking through the paper and seeing that uh, uh nobody was saying merry christmas and uh so that started uh, the process of uh, putting our uh, newspaper ads at Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. And that led to us, as we were becoming more open with our faith, to say, you know what, we, we need to, uh, if we want to honor God, that one of the ways we can do that is by closing on Sundays. It's, uh, you know, we we don't have anything that somebody has to have. And uh, so uh, not that we wanted to be, not because we were being legalistic, but because we wanted to honor God, that we decided we would close on Sundays. It uh, gives our employees an opportunity to go to church, be with their family. And uh, my dad grew up with uh, in a company where he was working 70 hours a week, and uh, that was a luxury. And uh, we, we knew that we could uh, allow our employees to have that uh, freedom to to do that on Sundays, and it was a thrill to be able to do that. Mm. And a lot of your competition would say, guys, that that was stupid. That was crazy. You're giving up revenue. Yet, has it really... I mean, I hear your numbers are phenomenal, that they don't even reflect that you're closed on a Sunday. 
Yeah, when you compare us with other retailers, um, there's there's not a, a good comparison. We right. we are uh, in, in the area of profitability far exceed uh, others, and uh, I know that's the same thing with Chick Fil A as well. Right? Uh, oh, absolutely. Their their numbers per unit just are far exceed any other fast food, and so. Uh, what's just fun is you give everybody a one-day head start every week, and you still can uh, make more profit. And you just say, "God, I think knew what he was talking about." Amen. <laughs> we need that day of rest. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that that's huge. Okay, so listen. As it is, as if it's not enough on a challenge on a daily basis, Jackie, you're managing six kids, and now you got grandkids, and mm-hmm. you're the president of the largest privately held company in the U.S. Isn't Hobby Lobby the largest privately held company, or it's right near the top? Yeah, I, I, they're they're. I don't know about others in retail. I believe we're the largest. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you got all those things. How in the world did the Lord move you to to start collecting biblical artifacts? <laughs> it got started when we were asked if we would help acquire a building uh, in Dallas for a Bible museum, and I said, "Well, if the right deal came up, we would consider it." And uh, looked for a couple of years, nothing. Artifact was coming on the market that they mentioned to us, and I said, "Well, we might be willing to buy that. Uh, it was at a good good price." Uh, and as retailers, we like getting good deals. And uh, so uh, we never acquired that because the family didn't agree to sell it. It was a manuscript that uh, uh, would have been a, a nice manuscript, but the, we didn't get it. But it opened the door, and so the guy started. He got you thinking. Uh, yeah, and, and, and these guys were in the world. They knew where the collectors, auction house dealers were and uh, looking around. And our first artifact we bought in 2009, uh, it was really to help some uh, a group that wanted to put this museum in Dallas. And um, uh, the the economy was struggling at the time, so a lot of opportunities presented themselves. The, the biggest understatement of the day right there. Steve Green said the economy was sort of struggling in 2009. Yeah. Maybe not in Oklahoma and Dallas, but in Florida, the economy was in shambles. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, even from uh, the uh, Cambridge had an item. Their, their uh, endowment was down, and they were needing some revenues, and so they decided to pull an item off the shelf and it's in our museum today uh, to a collector that had collected for 30 years and sold us his whole collection of 10,000 items. So from a single item to a collection of 10,000, the collection grew rapidly and that's when the family really felt the sense of responsibility that this collection that we have been entrusted with, maybe this dream that these guys had, we needed to make sure it became a reality. So we kind of came alongside and decided that we would make sure that uh, it happened and had the resources to get it started and the collection to uh, to get the ball rolling. Jackie, you, you guys are already busy. Like you said, you got six kids. Uh, how hard was that to embrace that idea that, oh, okay, we're going to start a, mu- a collection of biblical artifacts and, and actually go and create a, a Bible museum? Well, yeah, and I think, um, you know, I just didn't know what we were doing, but um, it was just that I think we had the heart, you know, that we wanted to just follow what God was leading us to do, and we had no idea where we were going and where this was going to end up. It was a faith step, Uh, It was definitely a faith step, and, you know, we never saw this coming. We just wanted to follow what God was leading and laying on our hearts and you know so we I remember one Sunday morning we're driving to church with the kids and just looking at each other you know and, and t- having this conversation about you know these artifacts just are amazing and they you know they need to be shared with the world and they they each have a story to tell and 
uh, and just feeling the responsibility, you know, that we needed to make sure that they were shared with mm-hmm. everyone to, to see and learn more about them. And, you know, we don't want to keep them just in a, in a storage somewhere, you know. Right. Um, and then realizing, well, how does this affect us as a family? And so I remember asking our, our two younger kids that were in the car, just saying, you know, we're feeling like God's calling us to do something with these, you know, but I feel like that he's not going to call us if he's not calling you to be a part of this, too, sure. because we're a family unit. And so, you know, they, they each said, okay, you know, I said, well, what do you think? And my uh, 15-year-old at the time said, well, can we negotiate something? <laughs> I said, oh, okay, yeah, let's do it. She said, well, would you make sure that we at least have at least once a month really good quality time together? If you're going to be gone more, you know, that's really important. Can we can we do that? I said, absolutely, but you might have to keep us accountable to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just true, you know, yes. we get busy. Oh, and yeah. um, in fact, last night she told me that. So, uh, <laughs> she's reminding yeah, you. She's not that's forgotten. Good. And then uh, we also have, I mean, she was 11 at the time i said mm-hmm. 15 she's 11 and then our youngest that's now 11 you know was five five and a half and and she said well i have a question will i have to go on the stage and i said no do you do you want to go on the stage <laughs> and she said no but i'll give you all of the, my money in my piggy bank for the museum <laughs> because i i want i want to give everything i have to the museum Aww. of the bible so you know we have a giver and a quality time girl but there you go anyway. and it's good that you know that yes that's, that's right and we talk about love languages on this all the time all right really quick though you said dallas but we're sitting in washington dc i mean i can see the nation's capital literally if i had a good throwing arm i could throw a ball five times and hit it how did we get here but we got to wait till after the break we're talking with steve and jackie green from hobby lobby in the museum of the bible washington dc martha there's so much stuff we got to eat at old ebbets grill last night we did which had like a 200 year history and a line that was about 45 minutes long <laughs> that was down the street from the white house that's kind of cool just to say that we were down the street from the white house but no president trump was too busy to be interviewed and mike pence was at a movie preview for you know god's not dead three so we're in studio today with steve and jackie green steve green the son of the Hobby Lobby founder, David Green. Steve and Jackie Green are in charge of the Museum of the Bible. They are the founders. It was God laid on their hearts to do this. And we are sitting on location at the Museum of the Bible, which opened up just a little over four months ago. Not quite four months ago. No, December. Okay, four months ago. <laughs> Check it out online, museumofthebible.org, museumofthebible.org. Steve and Jackie, you wrote this book, This Dangerous Book, which I got a chance to read last week. Really... All about where did this whole idea come from? How God laid it on your hearts? And you put some lots of great uh, stories in here. But let's just talk about how did the you you said it in the last segment? Well, we're going to do this museum in Dallas, right? Which is a nice place. There's a lot of Christian stuff in Dallas. But I'm sitting here. I can see the capital, the United States. We ended up in D.C. How did God do that? Well, as the collection grew uh, and the family was feeling the sense of responsibility that we need to make this dream a reality and were was deciding to put some resources to get it launched, um, I, I just felt like, well, what if God didn't want it in Dallas and looked at the top ten metros uh, in the U.S. And the other two that stood out to me were New York City and Washington, D.C., um, you know, other a lot of other great towns, but those were the two that stood out. So we started looking in all three cities to see if there was, might be a facility that would work well as a museum or a location. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we did a survey. The primary question was, if we build it, will they come? Is there an interest in a Bible museum? And it really uh, surprised the, the researcher that did the, the survey because over 80% thought it was a good idea. And he says, you know, you get that many Americans to believe on anything. you got a winning concept. <laughs> 
And it also showed it would be best attended here in Washington, D.C. And that just makes sense. Here is the heart of museums in our nation. Right. Uh, this People come here for tourism. Uh, New York City is probably more of an entertainment town. Dallas is probably more of a business town. So it just made sense that we would do best right here in the heart of uh, where museums are in our nation. We find that in retail. Uh, I oversee our real, real estate department and found that in retail. We do best. That's why with other retail, that's why there's a restaurant row in most every town. That's They do restaurants sure. do best where everybody congregates. It just made sense. So we decided to focus here in D.C., and I just felt like, you know, if God wanted somewhere else, he would make it clear, fine, we'll go wherever. But uh, we focused on D.C. It was about 18 months after that that this building came up on the market, and we acquired it in 2012. Yeah, how often do buildings this big? How many square feet is this building? Uh, well, what we added on to it and des- destroyed, we took out some floors, it ended up being 433,000 square feet. That's that's mm-hmm. what we've got here. Literally five blocks from the Capitol. Yeah, and there's not been a building of this size, this close to the mall, that has come up since we acquired this and again just another indication to us that this is god's project we just got to be part of it yeah, god right. was we saw his hand in it time and time again yes. so steve and jackie how does this museum tell the story of the bible we, t- we look at the bible in three different ways its history its impact and its narrative and we look at those in a non-sectarian way and what i mean by that is that it's not about a faith tradition a denomination a church it is about a book so we also are not espousing faith uh, the example i give is the the bible says in the beginning god created but it tells us in hebrews 11 that we understand that by faith so we're not going to tell you that god created we're just going to tell you the Bible story. The Bible says in the beginning God created, but whether you believe that or not is is up to the visitor's choice. We tell you the facts and let the visitor uh, decide for themselves. So we look at it in three ways, history, impact, and narrative. The history floor looks at the archaeological evidence, manuscript, uh, the going into the print age, digital age. It also is looking forward. Not only is it looking in the past, it looks forward to the effort to translate the Bible into every language of the world. Ah. Fabulous. That's the history floor. Narrative is to basically tell you what this Bible story is. There's three sections, a Hebrew Bible walkthrough, about 30 minutes, a Nazareth that Jesus knew, and a New Testament theater that's 11 minutes. And that is uh, the, one of the best examples that there is no building that can contain this book story. <laughs> we scratch the surface. We've got 11 minutes to tell you what the New Testament story is. There. This this story is huge, and we can only scratch the surface in any of the floors. So that's the narrative floor. And then the third primary way is its uh, impact. The book speaks into every area of life. Mm-hmm. It's impacted every area of life. And the average person in America has no clue to the degree that this book has impacted their life, yet it has. We are in a nation that was built on principles found in this book. Mm-hmm. And so we just talk about the Bible's impact in America and in all other areas of, of life. Uh, and that's the the, the effort for uh, the impact floor. Yeah, when you have a conversation with people about the impact of the Bible on society, and you're like, okay, do you guys realize that Moses' father-in-law designed our judicial system? They're like, what? I'm like, read it. You got to read these stories, people. That's where we. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. I want to. I want to hear some of the fun stuff, Jackie. As you guys were traveling all over the world getting artifacts, what's your favorite artifact story? Okay, so there's one of the artifacts in the collection that's now my new favorite. It's the uh, Elizabeth de Boone Psalter and Book of Hours. 
And we actually had acquired that in the collection uh, a few years ago. Do you remember what year, Steve? Yeah, four, yeah. probably four years ago. So anyway, we, we had that in the collection, but not knowing really exactly. I didn't know what all it was, but now it really has meaning for me because as we did some genealogy work, I found out that uh, through Steve's digging that Elizabeth de Boone, who commissioned this beautifully illustrated, uh, illuminated Psalter and Book of Hours that's 14th century, I believe. It's here in the museum. You have to come and see it. (laughs) But every single page is beautifully illuminated. So she was my 21st great-grandmother. No. Yeah. So anyway, we had this document. It's a new favorite. Yeah. So it's it's not only the most beautiful, uh, one of the most beautiful. Did you know that when you got it? No, we didn't know that. So we found that now it's my favorite. It's And it's very beautiful. And you just have to see it to believe how beautifully illustrated. There's gold and all these different colors on every single page, which usually it's just kind of the first mm-hmm. page of the chapter maybe, but it's it's everyone. So that's my new favorite. That Steve, when Lauren and Michael were on the show a couple of years ago, they talked about how you guys own, now I don't know if this is all, if I remember it all correctly, but that you guys own the ceiling your like your basement, your 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 foundation is the ceiling of a subway station. Is there a subway station underneath this? The subway station goes uh, underneath the street right in front of the museum, okay. and one of the exits comes out under the building uh, next door to the museum. We acquired both buildings. The museum acquired what was called the design center. There's an office building next door. Those are the only two buildings in this block. Hobby Lobby owns that building, and it is an investment property for Hobby Lobby. Well. Underneath that office building is where the metro comes up. And so when you come up out of the metro, the the ceiling is one of the floors of the building that Hobby Lobby owns. And so as, as we were uh, discussing the museum, we, we asked about, you know, is there a way that we can kind of clean up the subways? They're, you know, they've been around a while, and they're just kind of concrete and not real pretty. And we thought we might doll it up a little bit. And they said, well, you can do whatever you want to because that ceiling is is yours you own that building that we're coming up under so yeah. it uh, so we are in the process of putting a digital ceiling up on that so that when they come up out of the uh, on the escalator out of the metro they will have a digital ceiling like in our lobby where we have a digital ceiling that has all kinds of biblical art uh, mm-hmm. on that digital ceiling. And so uh, we'll be able to show them some great pictures uh, as they're coming up out of the, uh, the metro. I can't wait. And that's kind of what they said. And I, I love the story. Now we know all of the details. Jackie, there are moms and dads listening from all over the country, eventually to this, whether it's podcast or they're listening live today. Tell them why they should plan their next vacation here to the Museum of the Bible. Oh, because it's going to be their favorite museum ever. <laughs> so, uh, really, it's just so geared towards families, um, you know, all ages, really. But, you know, for moms that are planning the trip, well, you know, it's easy access because we do have a subway, as you just talked about. Um, you know, there's just so much to see that they have a fly-through uh, flyboard theater that's like a ride where it'll take you through um, Washington, D.C. It's called Washington. Washington Revelations, and you feel like you're flying, and you see scripture engraved all over the the city. And then, um, you know, there's a restaurant, there's a coffee shop, there are uh, there. There's so much technology in here that the kids all love it. Um, you know, there's a digital docent that they can use to 
uh, customize, you know, what tour they want to see, you know, what they have time for. And uh, it's just family-oriented. It's for There's a children's area. Um, the kids can go play. They can be like Samson and, and push down the, the pillars, you know, mm-hmm. and throw balls in the lion's den. Anyway, they're... Um, it's just for all ages. We had a letter just about a week ago. A mother came with her daughter in their school class, and she said they did all the D.C. things, White House, Supreme Court, Air and Space, Bible Museum, and she said afterwards it was unanimous. The Bible Museum was that's their favorite. Fabulous. That's fabulous. So that's what's exciting. All right, in 15 seconds or less, Steve, what's your favorite artifact? The Aiken Bible with the first Bible uh, commissioned by the United States Congress to be printed. Mm. Oh, I love that story in your book. That yeah. was a great one. Steve and Jackie Green, thank you for honoring us being here on I Work For Him today, sharing a little bit of your life, your story, Hobby Lobby in the Museum of the Bible. This was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank it was you. a lot of fun. Martha, I don't know if we'll ever have as historic of a show right here in D.C. at the Museum of the Bible. We made it. We're so excited. We finally got to do it. Yes, now let's go tour. You've been listening to the I Work For Him radio program with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplaces, our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit IWorkForHim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at IWorkForHim to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at IWorkForHim and online IWorkForHim.com. I work the number 4 him.com